0: Helping our students discover their voices and become fabulous performers is far more than just vocal warm-ups and repertoire studies. On our show today, episode 160, I have two marvelous returning guests. The first is Jessica Baldwin. She's talking about the work she does within her creativity coaching, and she's talking specifically about self-acceptance and self-expansion. Then voice and piano teacher Brenda Earl Stokes is talking about inspiring musicianship skills in our students. Timely, helpful conversations with plenty of teacher takeaways right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello, friend and colleague. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast and thank you. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you are, I hope you are doing well and I hope all things are going well in your studio. If you're listening to this podcast at time of release, it is the beginning of April. And um I am looking out. I'm from, uh, I'm in Hempford Forest, Nova Scotia. And although we had some beautiful days a little while back, and although all my tulips and daffodils started to come up, I am looking at a snowy forest because we had a lovely spring snowstorm. (laughs) and the school was closed and my massage therapist appointment was cancelled which is very sad um, but uh, wherever you are I hope warm weather is coming I hope you are enjoying yourself I have a fabulous show today and I think this is so timely and I think it ties in with a lot of the conversations that we've had over the past few months on the Full Voice podcast um, and and one thing I just wanted to uh, just just say before I introduce my guests, is um, one of the challenges that we face in our teaching studios, and I certainly feel this way too. I, I feel there are days where I just don't know how I'm going to incorporate all the things I want to help my students with, and even just the basics of singing and mu- understanding music. I mean, it's so, it's such a, it's such a long journey. And I always try to remind myself, I think of how long it took me to get to, you know, to be a a, a performer and how many years of study and how many experiences I had. So um, I I appreciate that when we are looking at our objectives as a teacher and how we want to help our students, it can get very overwhelming. But my conversations today, I think, are inspiring and helpful because I know that you know that developing an incredible performer is so much more than just getting them to sing vocal exercises and study uh, a song. And so my two conversations today, wonderfully timely conversations. The first one is is with Jessica Baldwin. Now, Jessica has been a guest on our podcast and Jessica has been helping us to, well, for a a couple of interviews. One, to understand the difference between classical and contemporary singing. And she works with a lot of teachers that have uh, the majority of their experience in classical training who are now learning more and diving into contemporary studies and want to help their students with contemporary singing and she has been absolutely fabulous about that those conversations and I'm going to put links on the show notes uh, on the show notes for all of the interviews the past interviews with my guests And my second guest is Brenda Earl Stokes. Now, Brenda is a piano and voice teacher, and uh, Brenda is sharing um, inspiring musicianship skills. Oh, so important. If we are uh, working with other musicians, we need to understand the language of music. So Brenda's got some wonderful strategies and wonderful stories to share with everybody. My friend, I'm so glad you're here. I know you're going to get so many teacher takeaways And without any further ado, my first guest and returning guest, Jessica Baldwin. Welcome back to the Full Voice Podcast. My friend, my colleague, Jessica Baldwin. Welcome. Hello. How
1: are you? I am great. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm so,
0: I'm, I'm always wonderful and I'm always excited to talk to you. You are bringing such wonderful information to our industry, to my listeners. Um, We've been talking about um, uh, working with students who are learning about popular musics. We've been talking about some of the challenges that are out there for teachers that have received the majority of their training in classical uh, uh, music and moving into contemporary styles. There's so many challenges. But to Today, we're we're getting a little deeper and we're talking about self-acceptance and self-expansion. So I want you to dive into this for us.
1: Yeah. So these are two of the most basic tools we use in creativity coaching. So any creativity coaching book you read, this is going to be a lot of what they're exploring just in their own ways, right? Different tools. So in the things that I do with people in one-on-one coaching and also in the workshops that I offer, this is the gist of what we're doing. We're trying to get a sense of who we actually are, then to be able to accept that, and then to explore ways that we can expand on that part of who we are. So starting with the basic questions around who the heck are you is surprisingly difficult for a lot of people if they've been in situations where they were not given the opportunity to have a sense of an autonomous self. This can be hard. So um, the things that I'll ask are things like, what are your values? What is your purpose in life, which I know is a huge question, but really having people write down some of the things that they use to create meaning in their own lives, those are going to be the guiding principles for what you're going to do as a creative as well. And they will inform everything that comes after that, including how you want to use your voice, the kinds of sounds you want to make with your voice, the music you want to sing, all that's influenced by that. Um, And then just your interests, things you like to do, things you like to learn about, talk about, hobbies, uh, people you like to hang around, um, what delights you, and also what repels you. That's also a very important thing to know, like what, what you're not, what you're not about. And basically just, what do you want? And again, this is a difficult question sometimes for people if they had to constantly deny what they wanted. It can be really difficult to answer that question. Um, that was a struggle for me at times. I, It was, I was worried about being selfish. I was worried about being mean. I was worried about... Um, hurting people, Um, and all of those things made it really difficult for me to be my own individual self and to have like lines in the sand about things. Um, But the thing about, if you think about the artists that you love, they are very clear about who they are. They're very clear about what they're about and what they're not about. And the reason you are attracted to them as an artist is because of those things. It's not just because of how they sing, I promise. Even though sometimes I think we think that as voice teachers. It is because of who they are as a whole person and because they're very clear about it. If they weren't clear about it, you would not waste the time trying to figure out who they were. Nobody has the time to go, I have no idea who this person is. Let me spend hours and hours trying to figure it out, even though they won't be clear about it with me. (laughs) The clearer we are, the more likely it is someone can quickly make a decision about like, hmm, that person interests me. I think I'd like to know more. I think I'd like to dive in more. And either they continue to want to get to know you or at some point they go, "Hmm, no, that's not really my person and they move on to someone else. That's what we do, and that's okay. So being clear about that stuff is helpful. If you, just from a business perspective, which is not where I love to go first with anything, but for some people that's motivating, right? If you really wanna reach out to fans and reach followers, if you're not clear about who you are, that's a tough thing to do. So really knowing who you are is helpful, but it also makes it a lot more fun to do your own art. It makes it easier actually the less you're trying to pander to a whole bunch of different people, the easier it is to like hone into what you do and to do it well and to have fun with it. So also like, what do you do naturally? What do you stylistically do naturally? What does your voice do naturally? What is your personality like naturally? And you can reach out to others to ask these questions, ask trusted people around you. Hey, like what five adjectives would you use to describe me? Uh, What singers do I most remind you of? What actors do I most remind you of? What book characters do I most remind you of? What movie characters do I most remind you of? You get a ton of information about, you know, all that stuff. And that also lets you know how other people are perceiving you which sometimes aligns with how we perceive ourselves and sometimes does not, but is really helpful information when we're trying to figure out how to be an artist in the world is how other people are perceiving us. Musical theater does this to some degree when you're trying to figure out your type because again, it just makes it a heck of a lot easier for the casting people when you walk in the room and you say, look, when I walk in this room, you can expect this, 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 this. I'm probably best for this role in this role. I'm not going to waste your time trying to make you figure out which role I'm best for. Let me come in, knowing who I am, and either you feel like, in a very specific way, I am the right person for this role or not. You know, I've got that it thing you're looking for or or not. That saves us all time when we know for sure who we are. Um, and as we get to know these things like who we are, what we like, what we want, what delights us, then. We can use that as a foundation for what we're doing, spending most of our time on the things we're good at, the things we do naturally, the people we are. Clifton Strengths, for instance, is a system that Michelle uses. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with it, Nikki. Some of the listeners, maybe as well, um, uh, where you focus on what you're already good at. Don't waste time on a whole bunch of what you're not good at. Only focus on that when you need to, when it's getting in your way somehow. This is also the foundation of what a lot of trauma-aware teaching is about, is resourcing. They use the term resourcing, which means knowing what you already do well, knowing what makes you feel safe, knowing what makes you feel strong, knowing what makes you feel capable, and then having those things available to you as resources in the moments where you're feeling a little not great. Right. And struggling to know what direction to take. So, having that like self awareness and self acceptance is a super important first step, necessary first step. Not an easy first step. Uh, For some of us, that first step can be like, can feel counterintuitive because a lot of times when people come to us, it's because they're trying to do the next part, the self expansion part. Right. Right. Or sometimes they're just trying to deny who they are altogether i like, can you just change me? <laughs> can you make me be something? I'm absolutely not, please. Because I don't like that part of myself for one reason or another. So doing that self-acceptance is so helpful, so necessary. And the self-expansion part is real, right? What do we wish we did more? What do we want to do with our voices that we're not already doing? What do we want to show to other people that's not already coming through in terms of how they perceive us right we may feel very strong inside but not a single person we surveyed used that word to describe us right and then we go i'm strong and then we go as coaches okay what would you like to do that can help us feature that about you in your song choices Um, And how you're using your voice. Let's do some strong things with your voice. Let's do some strong things with your body. What emotions feel strong to you? And then we help the person dive into that a bit. Um, And that balance of going back and forth between who we are and who we want to be is just this constant oscillation, really, back and forth between, this is who I am and this is who I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be, right? This is who I, this is how I perceive myself. This is how I want to be. These are things I want to add on to what I already do well. Um, I'd use a lot less of these stopping things <laughs> in terms of like, don't do this, don't do that, don't be this. Um, because I, I find it more helpful to just think of it in terms of like, here you are with all your goods and bads, let's just add some stuff. (laughs) Um, And, you know, our brains don't work particularly well with the don't commands anyway. Um, They tend to work better with positive commands anyway. So I find that a little more helpful. And then it lets us be a little more accepting of all of our stuff. And again, thinking about the artists we love, we don't love them because they're perfect. We don't love them because they've never had struggles. We don't love them. We love them because they're messy in the ways that we need to see someone be messy. And they're also amazing in the way that we need to see someone be amazing. So owning all of that as artists is super important. So finding tools that help us embrace both of those things. That's what I do a lot in my workshops And any kind of anything that you can do in your own life to like write down what you already do well, write down what you already love about yourself, write down what you, even if you're having a hard time accepting it, right? Things that you know about yourself. Survey people you love and who you respect and trust about how they perceive you in the world. And then explore things that you would like to expand into without feeling like you have to completely get rid of any of that stuff on those first couple lists and then explore how you can magnify those things in the music you do. The adjectives that you wrote down, okay, how can I sing some songs that feature more of these things about myself? How can I move my body in a way that features more of that about myself? And if you wanna add some stuff, explore some of the things that can add those things, but continue to, I'd say like two thirds of what you do, keep it from the what you already do well category, maybe a third to a quarter, explore the stuff that you want to add so that you're not constantly living in this territory outside of where you really can be grounded and comfortable with who you are.
0: Oh, this is so powerful. I'm thinking of all my teenagers that, you know, they bring in those dark songs and there's a reason that they're bringing in all of the dark, sad songs because they're experiencing and they're trying to figure things out and they're, you know, it's hard being a teenager. Like I, you know, and, and just being able to facilitate and, and hold space for them in a way where they can explore all these things. How powerful is that?
1: Yeah. And it makes us as coaches have to examine too, like why we might be caught up in a person, expressing or not expressing a certain thing, because that's probably our issue, not theirs.
0: I think it's always our issue (laughs) because... If there's one thing if there's one thing uh, I've always I've learned from Steve Steve uh, Farrell is uh, also a good friend but he's a meditation yoga coach and he's also a counselor and he's always he's a guest on the podcast and uh, he always says lean into those people that rub you the wrong way because it's not them it's you. So what is it that that what is it in you that is being reflected in this person and it's such a It's a challenging exercise, but when you make, when you're like, oh, I see, I see what it is. It's so powerful. Mm -hmm. I love that. Where can my listeners find and follow you for more incredible information, Jessica?
1: Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, My coaching website is truecolorsvoiceandartist.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram under that. And you'll find some workshops on the website that are specific to walking you through some of these creative coaching concepts in a group of really supportive people. I find that doing, with this, um, doing this with others can be particularly helpful because we get feedback from others so that how people perceiving us and also people just affirming, um, yeah, I totally see that in you, or yeah, that's cool, can be so, so powerful. Um, to walk through. So Out of the Classical Closet is one for classical singers in particular around these things, people who've been through classical training, as well as uh, Unlock Your Inner Artist, which is for developing artists in general.
0: Oh, so helpful. Jessica, we'll have you back on the podcast and thank you so much for this wonderful information.
1: You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Welcome
0: back back to the Full Voice Podcast, my friend, my colleague, fellow Canadian, although you are not in Canadian soil at current moment, Brenda Earl Stokes. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so nice. to It's so nice to connect with you and, and chat with you. Uh, we were talking before I hit record. Uh, Brenda is in New York And, uh, I, I have to ask, and I, I think some of my listeners will appreciate this. How is, how is homeschooling
2: going? Homeschooling has been good. So I pulled my son out of school in the spring of 2020 because the, um, distance learning wasn't working out, but we kind of liked it. So we decided, well, you know, we're just doing another year. We're two years in and it's, it's been really an amazing experience. We've done some really, really cool things together. Well, I follow you on the socials and I do see some of your
0: adventures and I keep saying to myself, "Well, man, that's, that's cool school. That's fun. So it looks like you guys are having a good time.
2: We're having a blast, yeah, and like this afternoon, we're going ice skating for PE out in Central Park. So we're sort of having the the full experience of New York City, you know.
0: Oh, so lovely, so lovely. Um, I love that you're celebrating that. I I just thank you for sharing all of that.
2: So we
0: are we're diving into um, musicianship and musicianship skills, and and I really wanted to talk to you about inspiring musicianship because I think sometimes as singers we try to we sometimes like hyper focus on just the vocal part of the instrument but musicianship and those foundational skills they're so important oh they are so you're you're in your teaching studio you're working with piano students and with singers as well yes so I, have, I want to start off with this question. When you get a singer who is lacking in musicianship skills, where do you start? How do you approach it?
2: So I always think of... Um, first of all, what, what flavor this, the singer is, you know, if they're a music theater singer or a rock singer or a singer songwriter, that's always my first thing to kind of hone in on and what it is that they're trying to do. And then sometimes I'll just kind of take the triage approach. What is the biggest problem? Because, again, I feel like what what our jobs are as voice teachers is to, to have that kind of instinct of knowing what is the next thing that I can do to make this person improve. Like, what can I do to make it happen quickly and have, like, an immediate success? And so... With some people, we go. We start with pitch. I'm a big, big believer of movable dough solfege for everything, as I know you are too. So <laughs> we're sol solfege girls unite, <laughs> solfege um, and sisters. boys. I know we're <laughs> we're big into it, but solfege I find works for everybody, even people who look at me like I'm insane for suggesting it because they think it's a classical singer thing. Um, so that's very much something that I I call up and use liberally with my um, you know non classical singers my rock singers and music theater singers and then i also use a pretty pretty straight up approach to being deliberate about rhythm training too Um, and some of so the same thing lots of counting lots of clapping um lots of one and two and three and lots of having a differentiation between what are downbeats and upbeats like a lot of very binary approaches to things and, you know, with almost everybody, the piano is, gets involved somehow.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, do, you, do you see like a, a hesitancy sometimes or a vulnerability that comes to the table sometimes when, when you're starting that work?
2: Yeah, sometimes it does. It, what's interesting, though, is that it comes up with people who have been exposed to it before.
1: Oh. So if I'm working...
2: It doesn't come up with people who have not been exposed to it before. And there, so it, it's almost like, you know, there's there's sort of a generalized trauma on some level with so many of us who have been through music lessons and music schools and, you know, the their usual rigmarole. And you say soulfish to somebody and they immediately, you know, coil, you know, recoil in horror, the shock, the horror. And say, oh, I, I did that. I don't like it. I don't know what the point of it is. It's a waste of time. It's too confusing. Um, and so that's a lot of times where that comes in. Or if we sit and work at the piano where I say we should work on the piano. Oh, I've tried piano. I can't do it. With the people that have not had experience with it, um, I'm thinking of one person in particular who had had an incredible effect on was uh, uh, a vocational singer-songwriter, wonderful guy who had had sort of a smattering of music training, but nothing in particular. And I said to him, you know, I noticed you're having a lot of pitch issues. Let's try Solfege. And he's like, I sort of know what that is. And We worked on it for six weeks and I gave him little exercises and, and, you know, he was totally into it and and it really had a difference. So that's been something that I found that's been extremely interesting about working through some of this stuff is it's the people who have the history with it are often the ones who are hesitant to try it, like they don't trust it.
0: I'm really glad you brought that up because- I think that's been my experience as well. I, I think people that have had a little bit of a, an exposure to it have a bit of trauma or have had a bad experience. How
2: do, you, um, how do you put them at ease? What do you, what do you say? What do you do? I'm such a pragmatic person that I just tell them <laughs> what it's for. You right. know, some people will use imagery and stuff like that. That's not really my thing. i'm I'm like an engineer's I'm the daughter of an engineer. and it's like <laughs> we just we just straight up, we say it. this is our this is what it is. And so I'll say, you know what this is for? And I'll explain how it works and that this is a way of teaching the inside of your ears to understand the the pitches and what they mean. It's like giving meaning and function to pitch. And so you don't even have to know that that's what's happening. It's happening inside your ears while we do the exercises. So a lot of times I sell it as if you... because because. I think, again, where people can get really hung up with musicianship is that they have to understand it. But from my experience, 80% or even maybe 90% of the musicianship stuff we do doesn't have to be intellectualized. It has to be physicalized. And so if, and and I'm guessing you've probably had a similar experience. You know, you're working with, with little people. They don't necessarily have the, the thoughtfulness or the the capability to understand what all of this is for what you're doing is you're laying a groundwork or planting seeds that will show, show up later and don't need to be intellectualized or or considered and so what what i always say is we we work on this until it just sort of disappears and then you can step away from it you know most of the singers that i work with unless they are planning to go on into you know, a traditional music education, or they're going to be doing choirs or doing a lot of sight singing. We don't even get to sight singing. We're using them to build oral skills so that they can understand and, and have a concept for for pitch. And then once they've internalized it, they can walk away from it. You know, so a lot of times when I say to people, this is something we're going to do for a few months, and we're going to touch on it for five minutes. And then we may never have to have this conversation again, if you do it Right. That's really
0: helpful, and I, I want to thank you for bringing that up. I think, one, often, in some cases, it's not explained. The reason for using the system is has not been explained. Right. Right. So you have the, like, I, I would equate it to, like, you know, tongue trills and lip trills are pretty ridiculous and if you don't explain to the student what they're actually what the purpose of is it is and why we do them and why they're beneficial they the the mindset of the students can be like oh i'm doing these these silly exercises again and, right so I, I like having a little bit of of explanation and this is a tool this is how we use it i uh I, and, and it really speaks to sometimes I think some of the bad experiences that people have had where, where, they, where I would say what you're doing really well is managing expectations. You're letting them know we're going to do this. It's going to take this long. But at the end, you'll have this, this, this and this.
2: Exactly. And and I think we can give our students more credit to be able to explain what we're doing and why. And there was always a lot of mystery shrouded around singing exercises. And and that can feed into that sort of old guruism, like, I only sound good because my voice teacher makes me do the exercises, like there's some kind of a witchcraft involved. And (laughs) I'm always explaining to my students, like, yes, I'm a very good teacher. Yes, I'm very good at this, but... All I'm doing is doing this and this and this to get your throat to do this and this and this. And that's why we're doing it. So we don't we don't have to keep these things a secret. In fact, I think keeping it a secret and not explaining it, you know, in reasonable terms. We don't have to go into the intrinsic muscles and in what they're doing. You no, know? we don't have to go that deep, but at least explaining to people what we're doing is really helpful because then they they sign up for it, they show up for it more and they feel like a partner in the process. That something isn't happening that they don't understand, they go, "Oh, I know why we're doing this. I totally get it." Mm-hmm. You know,
0: sometimes it's
2: it's the parents that
0: have had and I always I always you know I always assume that they're coming from a a, a good place. I know, mm-hmm. I know we love to throw shade on families and parents, especially when it comes to music lessons, but I always assume that parents are coming from a place and, and I think a lot of parents have had poor experiences in private lessons and so their questions are coming from a place of maybe they didn't have what's happening or the, the expectations managed properly. So, because I've had that with families. It's like, oh, well, you know, we don't really want to do the... The theory work, or we don't want to do that thing. And and then if you explain to them, look, look, a, it's part of my lesson and it's non negotiable. But b, right. <laughs> b, it's actually quite fun and the kids enjoy it because it's presented in a way that makes sense for them. Usually they're they're okay with
2: that, right? Oh, absolutely. And and I I think too, I I I always assume that people are coming from the right place with that, that they just don't know. It's part of my job is to educate the parents, too. And I read something funny. Somebody posted on a a Facebook group that I'm in where they were saying, like, how do you retain students? And he's like, listen... I've been here for a long time doing it, and I make it clear to my my parents that uh, my students that you know, if you want someone to play music bingo and um, you know get get in book one and never go any further, there are a hundred other t- teachers in town who do that. I'm not a music bingo guy. I'm not, fooling around with like just silly songs. Like I'm actually giving your kid a music education. It really turns things around, you know, (laughs) that we're not, we're not just playing around here that we're having fun. It's a, but it's a deeply nourishing experience. And I think people are then thinking, okay, wow, my money is really going towards something. We're not just playing, you know, just copycat games, the whole lesson we're actually, there's a deeper purpose for what we're Mm -hmm. doing.
0: Or even just understanding like, we are playing a copycat game, but there is a good reason for it, and this exactly. is the skill that we're working on. Because again, that's the mis- thats the misunderstanding. Is like, oh, you're just playing games. Um, you know, it's just like, yes, I am, but we are learning this, 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 and this, and this, and we're getting exactly. Kids, yeah. But there's
2: an underlying purpose to it, and again, like games and all of these things could be used for a for a good reason, a pedagogical reason, but they're also time wasters depending on who's using them right and how they're being used and so you know I just I just thought that was fun that the, you know just just being able to say there actually is a really good reason here's what it is and I would say most of the time they're like oh my gosh can I raise your rates (laughs) you're like you're even better than I thought you know I didn't I the last teacher didn't even ask about this you know yeah yeah now with when it comes to um Uh, piano skills.
0: So a a lot of, a lot of teachers will say, you know, well, I, you know, you have to have piano skills, but I mean, that's not always um, accessible for everybody. But when, uh, uh, when you get a student who is a interested and could really use the skills, how, how do you start? How do you approach that? How do you get them started in there?
2: So I, uh, for most of the students, again, it depends on who's coming in and what they need. But for the most part, I take a very, um, it, it's kind of the opposite approach to what people usually do. Usually they say, oh, piano lesson time, time to, to bring out the method books and the scales and <laughs> the theory books. I do not go that approach at all. And um, what I tend to do instead is to teach things from understanding the topography of the piano. I find it's a lot more intuitive to do that. And so we start out very simply. Let's play some five finger exercises in the key of C, just very simple, you know. And then instead of teaching a whole scale, I teach the first five notes of the major scale intervallically so that they can know it's a whole step, a whole step, a half step, a whole step, up and down. And then They don't have to know key signatures, the order of the sharps or flats, the circle of fifths. None of that matters because they understand the basic structure of it. And what that does is it eliminates the amount of work that you need to put in before you can start playing. And this is how if I'm teaching someone for a 45-minute lesson, we can do 35 minutes of what they came for, you know, quote unquote, the voice stuff, we can take 10 minutes and make mark like market progress in a short period of time. Because once you play those five note major scales, all you have to do is go one, three, five. And that's the triad. Now you can play all your major triads. So that's been my the way that I've taught it. I, I have, you know, online courses called Piano Skills for Singers, um, part of the the membership that I have. And this is my approach. And I have taught hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of singers how to play piano. And I have found that this is the least intrusive way to do it because it eliminates the theory aspect of it. And it just gets down to playing the piano. I'm really glad you brought that up because
0: uh, when I was young, I did the traditional piano lessons and I, I didn't mind them, but it was such, it was a long haul. But when I was in high school, I worked with a jazz pianist and that he taught, we went right into chords, right into and and within and, and also simple left hand stuff. And all of a sudden I could play pop songs And my brain exploded, and my interest in the instrument exploded, and I was singing and playing, and it was such a joy to dive into music like that, and and of course it kept my interest because now I do you know once I got really comfortable with that now I do want to know a little bit more of the theory because I want to play this this and this so I'm really exactly I'm really glad you brought that up and I. I want to, I want to shout out to David Ballantyne because he literally lit my, he lit my brain on fire and it was so helpful because I, before my audition for Humber, um, it was his piano stuff and the chords. And then he also introduced the seventh chords. So of course for my, for my audition, you needed to know all the seventh chords and how all that stuff worked. So that approach was so wonderful and it just opened up so many more doors. So you must, you must see that in your students.
2: Oh, it's, it's incredible. And what's funny about all of this, like the story that you just told, that was not my experience at all. I took the, you know, the Royal Conservatory stuff all the way up to grade 10. I didn't do the grade 10 exam, but I was most of the way through it before I just decided to be a jazz musician full time. (laughs) And you know, I never made the connection. I never made the connection of the chords when singing and playing, accompanying myself. And so I went right from... So I would sit, you know, the Phantom of the Opera-like songbook. I was reading all the notes in that. And I didn't have to do that. I could have just played the chords and faked. I had the skills, but I didn't connect them. It. it, it this is part of why I, I teach this way because I realized how many missed opportunities there were for me. I saw other people... Like, I could have been in a rock band in high school. I was... I had all the skills. I just didn't understand how it all got put together because it just was never connected to me that way. So that that's part of where where this all comes in. And and so when I when I went to university, when I went to York University for jazz piano, I still hadn't really made that connection. So now I could play classical. I could play jazz. But there was this whole other world of things that I didn't even really understand that I already could play. So th- this has been part of, I think, like you know, the my hero's quest. Like, wh- <laughs> what is the reason for the quest? Like, why are you doing what you're doing? Because you know, I'm I'm in this niche of really connecting to singers and trying to find ways to to help them to connect the dots for themselves. Well, it's because I never I had all these things that just didn't connect. And so it wasn't until I was in my early twenties and I went on a cruise ship um as a sing along piano bar person that I was like, wait a minute I can play every song. <laughs> like, how did I not know that I could do this? <laughs> you know, it was I mean, it sounds so dumb to say it out loud, but but it's really true. And so that that's kind of the uh, the approach of of showing people like, listen, you you don't need to know all this other stuff. This will serve your needs. And then if you want to go further with it, we can add on like you can always add on. But where I start to take issue with in general is that you have to have a huge body of theory knowledge to be able to take the first step. And I'd say that's a very counterintuitive way to actually go about it.
0: You know, I I, I can't agree with you more. I, it's, it's in, uh, in my experience, especially uh, as a session singer, um, now I will say there were opportunities that I had access to because I could read, I could follow the chart. However, the voices and the musicians that always blew me away were the ones that did not have that formal training. And I remember talking to a keyboard player one day. I mean, the guy was just incredible, and he—I just—you could—you could call out any song in any key, and he could just do it. And I asked him, "I'm like, I, like how do you, how did you do that?" And he just laughed. He's such a laid back guy. He's like. Well, you just listen. It's all with your ears. It's everything's with the ears. I don't have to write this down. It's all in my head. And I was like, Oh, wow. Right. <laughs> like,
2: right. And then and then the question that I would ask to that is, then why can't both of those like, why don't we include both of those things? You know, that th- yeah. that's, a, a, that's when you you create the ultra musician. And this is, this is the kind of way that I'm thinking about is people having brought enough skills that they will work. That is my goal. I want people to work. I want you to be happy in an artist and making the music that you want to make, whatever that is. I have no agenda on what your, what your choice is for that. I I'm supportive in whatever direction it goes, but I want you to be able to work. I want you to function. I don't want you to have to, my, my joke is always like, I don't want you to have to marry a piano player, you know, <laughs> If you don't, you can be your own, you know, that you don't rely on other musicians to have to do things for you that you can notate your own charts. It's like that becomes the uber- the uber musician. And so why not train people that way from the beginning? I mean, that's, you know, why I love full voice, because you're thinking about that right away, too, is, is, is all of all sides of the the musicians for your for the little ones, like, that's how important and crucial that is. But you know, I've had, I've had professional high level trained musicians tell me that you can't learn to play by ear, like that it's a gift you're born with. I have had arguments Social media, Facebook group arguments with people saying you cannot learn to play by ear. It's a gift you're born with. And the answer is no, it's not every single thing that we are talking about is 100% learnable, whether you're seven or whether you're 77. It's all learnable. I mean, maybe it won't be Jacob Collier. Like maybe that is a special (laughs) kind of like witchcraft or like who, who knows how, how that went. But I I would say it, it very, very few exceptions to people who really could be able to really hear and understand and know all of these things to, to function at a very, very high level. Mm,
0: So helpful. Uh, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity because you've got some really great offers uh, for uh, not only uh, teachers, but also students and singers and songwriters. So let everybody know a little bit about your incredible library. And you've also got some programs coming up for people.
2: I do. So I... I've been creating online courses since 2018, and this past summer, I realized that rather than offering single courses for people, that it would be better to turn it into a single place where someone could go and really get their needs met. And so I call it the versatile musician, and it includes all of my courses, so piano skills for singers courses, um, a course in jazz piano, piano improvisation, um, a whole deep dive into solfege skills um, and a rhythm course where I clap and count all of the rhythms, like all of them. <laughs> and then a whole bunch of one off tutorials and print materials for a whole wide variety of things from how to play by ear, there's videos on that, um, specific tutorials where I show you how to sing and play songs. So this is the place that's kind of my new home base for all of the things. And members get access to all the material. And then they also get a lot of live support. So there's a lot of opportunities for um, you know, reaching out in the courses themselves where you can comment and ask questions. And then we do a Zoom call once a month where people will have one-on-one time and we'll talk about what everybody's working on. So that's been something that I've I've been focused on. And it's the kind of place that would be A great service to really voice teachers or piano teachers even at any level if they want to get a wide range of things to work on for themselves or with their students. But it's also the kind of thing that if someone was a high school student and they wanted to test out of a couple of semesters of something when they were going to university or college, this is a great place. I've got a couple of people who are doing that right now because then they don't have to pay for the theory class or, you know, the, the musicianship class or the piano class. And then a lot of people who are in it now are also recent graduates of vocal programs who are co- going, oh, crud, like those classes in piano didn't serve me. I need something that's more direct. Right.
0: Oh, so exciting.
2: I it was an incredible amount of work. I'm I'm approaching, I think I'm at 380 videos, unique wow. videos. Oh, well done. It's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of videos. All the piano classes like have a close up of the keyboard. I I did I did all of the production and everything myself. And then I have about I'm over 500 pages of print material that has notation and practice instructions and charts and graphs and oh, the whole Oh, wow. While. Yeah. So it's a place where someone could come in and say, I need a little bit of this. I need a lot of this. I need a little bit of this. And they can hop in for as many months as they need to to get it. And then they can hop out when they feel like they've they've gotten full. Oh, that is such a great offer. Wonderful. So that is the Versatile Musician? It's the Versatile Musician. Yeah. So there's that. And then in by the time that this is airing and people are listening to this, I have a new little mini workshop called Crash Course in Piano Skills for Singers. And this is a little bite-sized taste. It's an hour and 45 minutes worth of videos. Um, And I think it's going to end up being about 25 pages of course material. And it's the first steps. You've played a little piano before. Maybe you haven't played in a long time. Maybe you've never played. And it's the first steps to get you to sit down, know what you're supposed to do, and do those things Mm. and over the course of I think it's 45 days access you get to the course by day 15 um, 20 minutes a day seriously not a lot of time 20 minutes a day working on this stuff you would be able to accompany yourself on a bunch of different diatonic songs and by the end of the 30 or 45 days you would really be functional on the keyboard
0: Oh, that is exciting. And, you know, I can think just off the top of my head, I've got some like high school students who are really getting into songwriting. And I think that would be such a great way to get them, you know, their their piano confidence up there and they can start looking at their songwriting skills differently.
2: Absolutely. And some of the people um, I ran that same course as a live workshop in January. And some of the people who were there were actually voice teachers who could play piano, but they were there to understand a good framework so that they could add piano to their voice lessons. Mm, that's so awesome. So it's, that it's that same kind of framework because people, oh, what do I do? How would I even do it? It's like, well, you could actually really, I mean, not only is that a great add-on as an offer yourself, if you can do 15 minutes of piano and 45 minutes of singing, um, something that you can kind of add to your general... Practice, but also think of how that's serving your students. They'll want to stay with you longer and work with you for for more time because you have more and more value to add. So it's kind of another like w- way for my my voice teacher friends to kind of bump up their skills to again improve and fortify their businesses. So it's 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 cool. It's so simple, um, but it really is effective. I have tried it with hundreds and hundreds of people.
0: Oh, so wonderful. Thank you so much. I am going to put links in the show notes to all of your um, all of your uh, uh, websites and all of the courses. Uh, I also want to say that I did happen to see you on TikTok the other day. Oh no! What was I doing? Was oh, I singing was songs your... in solfege? It was, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever!" So, if you want to see Brenda on TikTok singing the solfege, it's great. I was it's, like,
2: "Check, check me on Instagram." I I deleted my TikTok. Oh, did you? Then? Sing. Oh, okay. Uh, it's it, it, right. it's in my Instagram reels. I've been doing this like weird thing where I take all these pop songs and I dress up like the singer, and then I sing it in solfege. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. I was all over it. I was like, this is awesome. Brenda, thank you so much. We'll have you back. And uh, a, a big hug uh, from all of us. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon.
2: Great. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: A very special thank you to both Jessica and Brenda for those wonderful conversations, so inspiring. Please be sure to find and follow these wonderful music educators. I guarantee that they will continue to inspire you on their social media channels. Now, friends, it is not too late to register for the National Convention for the National Association of Teachers of Singing. It's in Chicago, and I have to tell you, the lineup and the professional development is incredible. And Now, I don't know about you, but I have not done an in-person workshop since, well... 2019 so i can tell you that i am so excited i'm going to be presenting with dr geneva williams and dana lentini we are talking all about you guessed it working with young singers i cannot wait to share my wonderful presentation and we're also going to be there in the exhibitor hall so you have to if you are a listener of the full voice podcast please 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 come to our booth say hello I will have so many goodies for teachers that come by and say hi and you can help me decide what kind of topics we're going to talk about in season seven. How exciting would that be? So friends, be sure to check Nats.org. That's N-A-T-S.org. The information for the 2022 National Convention in Chicago is right there. My friend and colleague, as always, I want inspired teaching And happy singing for you and for your students. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks.